Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and information about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory or even the quality of an older person's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Carnison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a topic that is actually very important and also very timely at this time of year. We're recording in early October, and that is Medicare Open Enrollment. And my guest today is Michelle Allen. She's an experienced geriatric social worker based in Atlanta, Georgia, who has worked as a hospice social worker and as a geriatric care coordinator for an elder law firm. She is also one of our wonderful geriatric care managers who has been providing regular guidance and support to people in our Helping Older Parents membership community. And uh, several weeks ago, when I asked her what kinds of topics she wanted to help our members with, One of the things she brought up was that she really wanted to help people understand Medicare open enrollment and how to help their aging parents with their Medicare coverage. And it occurred to me that not only was this a great topic to help our members with, but that it was actually really relevant to our larger Better Health While Aging audience because, of course, Medicare is the health insurance coverage for most older adults, people over age 65, in our country, whether or not they have family members helping them out. And we do have Medicare open enrollment season starting uh, very soon. So I'm delighted that Michelle was able to join me today on the podcast so that we can all learn more about what older adults and families should know about this topic. Michelle, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Well, I know this seems to be a special like uh, <laughs> passion of yours. So I'm so excited. It truly that is. Yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, in a moment, you're going to tell us why. But first, uh, we had you on the podcast a while back talking about hiring in-home care. That was in episode 93. And at that time, you shared a little bit more about just what is a geriatric social worker and a geriatric care manager. So I'll refer the audience to that. But really briefly, Just tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you're doing right now with older adults and families. Yeah, so I am a licensed clinical social worker, and I'm working for an agency providing in-home psychotherapy services to older adults. And as a LCSW, I'm able to bill Medicare for those services, and it's just providing in-home one-on-one talk therapy to older adults. In addition to that, I'm also working as a geriatric care manager so that families can hire me to get that individualized care that they might need and managing whatever it is that might be coming up in their as they're navigating through this long-term care and all their healthcare needs. Yeah, through this journey. And yeah. so really briefly, maybe we can recap the kinds of things that geriatric care managers help families with. Okay. Yeah, that would be great. So it can go, geriatric care managers can usually do as little or as much as a family or an individual needs. So for some families, we can just offer an assessment, referrals, um, connection with resources they might that they might need in their community that they have no idea that was even there. So it can be just a one-time quick intervention just to help get families pointed in the right direction. Or it can be full-on case management services where you're actually taking the older adult to their doctor's appointments, helping to make sure they're getting all the medications 
coordinated in the right way, like from the pharmacy to actually being in their pillbox, that they're getting in-home caregivers, that they're looking at assisted living communities or being connected with adult day centers. And the geriatric care manager, in addition to just creating that plan of care, is actually following through and fulfilling the plan of care requirements. So doing all the work on behalf of the older adult and the family. Yeah. And then both in as a geriatric care manager, but also just more generally as a social worker specializing in older adults and families, you also have a lot of experience helping people figure out what kind of services might be available and how they can be paid for, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So going over what are the resources in the community that we haven't tapped into yet? What are some of the ways that we can pay for long-term care? So have we looked at VA benefits? Could you be eligible for Medicaid? Are there any extra help programs that we could use to supplement the Medicare costs, uh, making sure that we've we've accessed every available resource. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now let's talk about um, this topic of understanding your Medicare coverage and taking advantage of Medicare open enrollment. So what led this to become such a topic of interest and importance to you? So part of my role working with the, psych- the group psychotherapy practice where I'm providing in-home therapy to older adults, part of my role historically has also been to do it a large number of their intakes. So I'd be fielding some of those incoming phone calls, either from older adults themselves or from the adult children or concerned family members who want to get their loved one connected with services. And so we are able to bill Medicare for that service, but we have to verify their insurance. And so I was constantly shocked by how many people had no idea what kind of coverage their loved one had. So they would make this assumption that they just had original Medicare um, when actually they have a Medicare Advantage plan. And how many families were just shocked by, oh, wait, I thought she just had Medicare Part A and B. And it's like, no, actually she has United Healthcare, which has replaced her Medicare coverage. Um, and families just don't know that. And they don't even know what they don't know. Like they didn't even know to ask about that. And it wasn't a small percentage of families that I come in contact with who don't understand. I would say it's probably closer to 80% of the families who were calling and inquiring about services didn't know what kind of health insurance their parent had. And what about when older adults themselves would call in? Did they have a better understanding of uh, the insurance they had? Some did, some do, and some don't. I would say it's probably closer to about 50% do understand what insurance they have and about 50% don't. But for this to be such a major issue, I feel like consumers really should have a a good understanding of what their coverage is and then what their rights are to getting different types of coverage, if that might be a better situation for them. Right. Because there you were offering, and what was the organization through which you were offering these individualized psychotherapy services in the home? I mean, I think so many people must be like, wow, that (laughs) exists. Medicare can cover that. Like, so how, because I feel like that's not that common, you know? I don't know of a lot of it being offered here in the Bay Area. So what was the organization you were working with? So it's a local organization to Atlanta called Mindful Transitions. And it was started by a social worker named Laura Jalbert, who wanted to start, she had an inpatient, I'm sorry, she had an in-office psychotherapy practice focusing exclusively on older adults. And she kept losing clients because they would lose uh, the ability to drive they would have transportation issues, they would have just mobility, and then they would continue to get weaker and not be able to actually come into her office. 
So she had clients who were still engaged in therapy and benefiting from therapy, but could no longer get to a weekly office appointment. So she decided to make her visits to them. Um, so she created this practice all by herself at first, and now she's got 17 clinicians working in her, in her organization and growing, right? So currently Mindful Transitions is receiving you know, almost more referrals than what they can actually meet the need for. And there is definitely a need for it. And I am hoping that more and more communities, you know, more and more innovative social workers or other providers start offering the service in home. Because uh, it, it's it's fantastic to be able to go into somebody's home and actually be able to assess their level of functioning instead of have to rely on their self-report when they come into the office. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Mm -hmm. So that we can actually see how their depression and anxiety is impacting their day-to-day -day functioning. Right, right. So I think this is getting at something really important, which is that Medicare may cover, technically cover lots of different services. And to be able to access them as an individual or as a family, there has to be somebody offering it in your area. And you have to have the right kind of Medicare coverage, it sounds like you're saying, for it to, to be covered. Right. So Medicare does pay for individualized psychotherapy services. And a lot of the Medicare Advantage plans also pay for individual psychotherapy services. However, Medicare Advantage plans restrict a lot of their provider networks. They deal with a, a, a smaller number of providers. They also have more difficult reimbursement hoops that you have to jump through in order to get reimbursed. So the company that that I'm working for has decided to go out of network with all the Medicare Advantage plans because it was just so difficult to get the prior authorizations, to jump through all the hoops in order to get reimbursed. And it just didn't make a lot of financial sense to have to try to jump through those hoops in order to provide behavioral health services. Right. Medicare, right. however, does not put up a lot of those same barriers. And so although, although on paper the benefits are there, how the individualized or the private market insurance companies are treating their providers really is a determinant of care. So providers often have to make a decision about, sounds like providers have to decide whether they're going to work with certain Medicare Advantage plans to offer their service. And that's partly a question of what kinds of, you know, hoops in a way. That is how it feels. It's for sure. Oh, From the yeah. provider perspective, you have to go through to get the plan to pay for your service. That's right. Right. Well, so before we get into open enrollment itself, maybe we can just make sure that we've clarified for all our listeners, you know, what a Medicare Advantage plan is, how it compares to other variations of Medicare, and just a quick review of what we mean when we talk about Medicare coverage. Okay. So we have, there's four parts of Medicare, parts A, B, C, and D. So usually when we're thinking about Medicare, we're thinking about Parts A and Part B, right? So Original Medicare Part A pays for the hospital, some of the acute care services. Original Medicare Part B pays for more of the doctor visits and more routine medical services. Part B is kind of outpatient care, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, so you could think of Part A as being inpatient, Part B being the outpatient services. Yeah, okay. And keep going. Part C is what we call the Medicare Advantage plans. And then, and I'll come back to that. And then part D is our prescription drug plans. So when somebody is, is enrolling in Medicare or looking at their Medicare benefits, there's a couple of different ways that you can have 
your Medicare benefits. Um, you could have just original Medicare, so Medicare Part A and B, with a Part D plan. So that gives you your Part A, Part B, and a prescription drug plan. You could have it without a Part D plan, so you don't have to take a prescription drug plan, although you'll be penalized later if you get a Part D plan later. So you could have original Medicare with or without a prescription plan. You could also have original Medicare with or without a Medicare supplement plan, also known as a Medigap plan or Medicare secondary plan. So in addition to having just original Medicare, you can have a secondary coverage to help fill in the gap of what Medicare doesn't pay, right? Because generally speaking, Medicare pays for everything at 80%. And then that Medigap coverage would come in and pick up that 20% that Medicare does not pay for. You know, traditionally speaking, that's, that's how most folks have gotten their, their Medicare. They've got original Medicare with a Medigap um, or with some sort of secondary plan. Your secondary plan could even be Medicaid, right? So if you're a low-income low older adult, you might have Medicaid benefits that will work as the secondary to Medicare. Okay. And then really briefly before you go further, I know some people, you know, as they retire, they continue to get some kind of health insurance uh, from their, their employer as a retirement benefit. How does that usually fit in with these, the Medicare A and B Medigap? So every, I mean, every employer has decided to do this differently. So some still offer a private market insurance plan. And that might look that might end up being the secondary to your Medicare benefits. Um, some offer a straight up Medigap plan that is definitely a secondary to your original Medicare benefits. So currently, more and more employers are offering Medicare Advantage plans as part of their retirement package. So when you look at all of the people enrolled in Medicare Advantage plans, one out of every five of those Medicare Advantage plan enrollees are receiving that benefit through their um, employer retirement package. Okay. So about 20% of folks right now who are on Medicare Advantage plans are, are on those because they're a part of their um, employer retirement package. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, yeah, so now let's get into Medicare Advantage. Like, So a Medicare Advantage plan could also be considered a Medicare replacement plan because what you're doing is that instead of using original Medicare, you're using a private insurance plan that's replacing what you were getting through Medicare. So it's this private public partnership that a lot of folks just don't understand. So they think I still have Medicare and I also have Blue Cross Blue Shield or Anna also have Humana or United Healthcare or whoever the private insurance company is. When in reality, what they have is private insurance and it happens to be a Medicare Advantage plan. They're still paying um, part of their premium to Medicare but the, the card that they're presenting to their healthcare providers is actually their private insurance card, no longer that red, white, and blue Medicare card. And so on some level, yes, you do have Medicare, but you also now have a replacement plan that's actually your insurance provider. So this is, this is great for me to review because this is something that I've, you know, in my routine work, I don't have to sort this out for patients usually. But it sounds like original Medicare, we also sometimes refer to it as fee-for-service, right? And most providers accept Medicare fee-for-service. And then I guess people may have this, you know, this insurance company involved, you know, like the major ones are Humana, United Healthcare, Aetna, Anthem. And that insurance company might be involved as a supplemental provider, 
providing extra coverage, and maybe you got some of that from your retirement benefit or not, or they actually could be your Medicare Advantage plan where it has replaced Medicare fee-for-service, and so you're, you're, you're not a Medicare fee-for-service uh, beneficiary anymore. And it sounds like it's easy for people to be a little unclear as to whether that brand name insurance company that's involved is the supplemental extra insurance versus the whole package. That's right. That's exactly what happens. So a lot of, you know, when I meet with folks, they're like, yes, I have Medicare. Plus I also have this Blue Cross Blue Shield card and that I use, and I use them both. And I say, are you sure you use them both? They're like, yes, absolutely. I have them both. (laughs) And so then when I actually go to verify their insurance, they have a replacement plan. They're not using them both. They're only using the Blue Cross Blue Shield card. So what's the Medicare card they have? It's just no longer valid because they've signed up for an advantage plan? Right. So you still get a Medicare card and you still get some communication from, from Medicare, from CMS, but you don't get, your benefits are not being provided through Medicare anymore. They're being provided through the private insurance company. Okay. And then I just want to understand where the Medigap falls in because you mentioned both Medigap plans and supplemental plans and secondary plans. So right. <laughs> is, is Medigap a certain type? For, well, first of all, is there a difference between supplemental and secondary plans? So a Medigap plan is a regulated um, insurance offering that insurance companies can offer like these very specific packages to Medicare beneficiaries that you pay a premium for. So they, you know, that's when you say, when you hear people say, oh, I've got a plan F through United Healthcare, or I've got a plan N, or I've got a plan P or whatever it is, like those are regulated Medigap plans that insurance companies are able to offer to Medicare beneficiaries to help them cover what Medicare doesn't cover. But not everybody who's got a secondary has a Medigap plan. Some people that have a secondary insurance, it's an employer-based plan, or maybe it's TRICARE, or maybe it's Medicaid. So some people's secondary could be something other than a Medigap plan. So a Medigap is always a secondary plan, but a secondary plan is not always a Medigap plan, if that just keeps making it more confusing. <laughs> yeah, and and a supplemental plan is really kind of like a secondary plan. Sounds That's like. right, yeah. Okay. So supplemental and secondary are interchangeable terms. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Medigap is a very specific kind of extra plan, but those are offered by some of these private companies. That's right, that's right. But they get letters. That's right, that's right. So if you say, if you say, what kind of plan is it? Like, is it a plan F, a plan L, a plan O, or you know, whatever it might be? If somebody says, oh yeah, her card says it's a plan L, well, then you know that it's a Medigap plan. So if there's a letter, it's Medigap? That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so given all this, is there a place where, where do you go look up people's coverage to sort it out? And is that something that older adults and families can go and look for themselves? Is there a place online where you can be like, wait, let me see what I have. So as a Medicare provider, I have access to one of the the online portals to be able to verify somebody's insurance through Medicare. So any of your Medicare providers that you're working with can go on and verify your insurance for you. So when people don't know what insurance they have and they don't have any, they haven't created any online portals for themselves through Medicare.gov, what I do is just encourage them to call their primary care physician's office and ask them who they have listed as their primary insurance. 
And that's a really good place to start because the prim the primary care physician is going to have on file which primary insurance that they've been filing the claims for. Right. But people need to know their primary insurance and their secondary. That's right. And they'll have that listed as well. Okay. All right. And the secondary insurance actually actually coordinates pretty seamlessly with the primary with Medicare. So they they file with each other um, very seamlessly. So it's but they do need to know if they have a secondary. And sometimes what I've had people do is to pull up their bank records and see what premiums are being automatically drafted out of their accounts. Mm, okay. I mean, it's shocking how little people sometimes understand about what benefits they're paying for on a monthly basis. And yeah. I even had asked them, are you paying like $20 a month or like $400 a month? And that'll help me figure out what kind of insurance that they have. Right, right. Okay. So you can ask um, a Medicare provider, ideally your primary care provider, to verify uh, your insurance and let you know. And then is there a spot where people can look it up themselves? I think you said something about setting up a Medicare account. You can, you can create a mymedicare.gov account to log in and manage your Medicare benefits that way. I've never, I haven't seen what it looks like on the consumer side. So I don't know how detailed it is. Like if you opt out of original Medicare and get a Medicare Advantage plan, I don't know if that shows up in the portal or not. I'm hoping that it does. We need to get our parents to sign up for this and take a That's look. Right. <laughs> That's a really good plan. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. <laughs> Let's both do it and then we'll okay. confer and get back to the audience if we learn something really important about that. So now that we've reviewed, so people, I guess to summarize, people can have original Medicare fee-for-service um, and then may have a extra plan, but they may not to cover, I guess, the co-pays and the parts that uh, Medicare doesn't, the 20% that fee-for-service doesn't cover, or they might have a Medicare Advantage plan with or without, uh, and either way, you may be with or without a Part D plan. And so to come back to the like original thing that made you feel so strongly about this is that you realize that people were often not able to get services that they wanted because their Medicare coverage didn't cover it. Right. And so that, that to me is a really big deal. Like if you don't understand what coverage you have, then you don't understand what your eligibility rights are. Likewise, you also don't understand how to appeal and how to get and how to become a very good advocate for the care that you need, right? Because Medicare Advantage plans have a different appeal process than Medicare does. And also where Medicare has very, very standard and very highly regulated ways that providers have to offer services. Medicare Advantage plan has very loose rules. So Medicare Advantage plans have to offer similar type services as Medicare, but they can offer it in whatever way they want to, right? So even though they have to offer skilled nursing care, just like the way that original Medicare does, Medicare Advantage plans can offer that skilled nursing services for only up to 10 days paid at 100% as opposed to up to 20 days paid at 100%. Or they could also waive the requirement that you have an inpatient hospital stay before you get those skilled nursing home services. So we don't ever know, like when you try to ask for what your rights are and what you're entitled to, if you have a Medicare Advantage plan, it's all dependent upon how that plan is written. And that can be really hard for advocates to give to help give the families advice about what they can and can't get. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it also sounds like you want to know what you're entitled to, because even though we wish the healthcare system were perfect, 
it's not. And sometimes people don't get the services they're entitled to or, or are denied it until they insist. That's right. That's right. So just recently I had a client who was in a skilled rehab facility getting services. He was only there for seven days and his Medicare Advantage plan said that he was, you know, they weren't going to approve any more days. And so when I talked to the family about what was going on, we went through the traditional appeal process through our quality improvement organization. And, but I also encouraged him since he has a Medicare Advantage plan to call their plan and talk to whatever case manager might be assigned to the program, right? So a lot of insurance companies to try to keep costs down also have case managers working on the insurance side to try to make sure the client is getting access to all the appropriate levels of care and services so that they can reduce the hospitalizations and reduce the, you know, the big bills that might come in. And I said, let, you know, get a hold of that case manager and let them know that you still need more rehab. And if you go back home, you're likely to get, you're likely to keep falling and end up right back in the hospital. And they don't want that. Mm -hmm. So you can reach out to them and coordinate with them. Mm -hmm. And so what happened when he reached out? Um, well, he did, he did win the appeal and his rehab days were extended. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, okay. So it sounds like step one is that it's really important to understand what kind of coverage you have mm -hmm. and also be aware of what you're paying for. It sounds like in terms right. of your, your premiums mm -hmm. and get that straight. And then now let's talk about open enrollment. Tell us like, what is it? What does open enrollment mean and what happens during open enrollment? So every fall, Medicare has their open enrollment period. It goes from October 15th to December 7th. And whatever changes you make within that time period will go into effect on January 1st. So during this time period, you can switch from traditional Medicare to a Medicare Advantage plan. You can change your Part D plans, um, or you can switch between Medicare Advantage plans. So if you're with Aetna, but United Healthcare has a better deal for you, or you want to get on board with Kaiser, um, October 15th through December 7th is a good time to make that change to a different Medicare Advantage plan. Or if your medications have recently changed and you're paying more at the pharmacy than you should be paying, it's a good time to shop for a new prescription drug plan, one that actually has your medications on their formulary, and that could save you a lot of money. Um, you can also switch during this time from a Medicare Advantage plan back to traditional Medicare. The one downside to going back to traditional Medicare from a Medicare Advantage plan is that you may not be eligible anymore for a Medigap plan. So, and that's sometimes a really big shocker for, for families and for, and for Medicare beneficiaries themselves is that they didn't know when they switched from traditional Medicare with a Medigap to a Medicare Advantage plan because if you have a Medicare Advantage plan, you cannot also have a Medigap plan. So once you, it's, you know, the insurance companies are not allowed to sell you a Medigap plan if you have a Medicare Advantage plan. So if you, if you decided to try Medicare Advantage, you decided you didn't like it, you want to go back to traditional Medicare with a Medigap plan, you now have to go through medical underwriting. You may or may not be approved for those benefits or you might have to pay a higher premium than what was originally quoted to you in your initial enrollment period. Mm -hmm. Okay. So to clarify, it sounds like once people are in a plan, you actually can't change it during the year. You're in it for the whole year, but in the fall, there's this open enrollment period where you can 
choose a different option, which will go into effect for the following calendar year. That's right. That's right. Now, I'm guessing now, there must be a few exceptions that allow you to change during the year. So there are, and not to make it way over confusing for folks, but there are special enrollment periods and there are special exceptions that during the year you could make changes to your Medicare benefits. So let's say that your plan stops covering your area and they get out of covering anybody in your area. Um, at that point, you're, you're in a special enrollment period and can shop for a new plan. If you become institutionalized, you're permanently in a special enrollment period. So if you move from home into a nursing home, Medicare looks at it as if now you are indefinitely in a special enrollment period and you can make switches to your Medicare plan. Oh, wow. Well, that could be helpful potentially. Mm -hmm. So a small upside to being in a nursing home. (laughs) Yeah. You could shop for a new Medicare plan. You can spend all year shopping and switching. (laughs) You could change it every month if you wanted to. Or I guess your family, you may or may not be able to do that if you're the one in the, the, the nursing home. Okay. So, so how do people know? So this, I mean, this sounds very complicated, right? (laughs) I mean, in general, the, you know, the few times I've looked into health insurance, so many choices and your head starts spinning and I'm assuming it must be somewhat similar, you know, for older adults and families looking at their options for Medicare coverage that there are lots of different options and figuring out which one is the best fit must be, must take a, a lot of effort uh, oh, unless you can get someone who is really knowledgeable and experienced to walk you through it. Yes. I think most people don't, don't do it. They either don't know that they should do it or they think about doing it and they don't feel like they have enough knowledge and skills to be able to make a good choice. So therefore they just don't even try at all. Have you ever followed the new old age that's yeah. put out by the New York Times? So mm-hmm. I remember it was either Jane Gross or Paula Spann a couple of years back, like wrote an article about shopping for a new Medicare Advantage plan for her mom, right? <laughs> and she's like, I do this every day, like investigating this part of life and like writing about it and knowing all about it and sitting down to shop for my own mom's part D plan was incredibly overwhelming. And it was such an enlightening piece where you're like, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. Right. Um, And this year, Medicare has made changes to their online, to their online system for shopping for a new plan. They're trying to make it a little bit more consumer friendly and a little bit easier to navigate through. And there's been some feedback about whether or not it is actually more consumer friendly, Um, but it's, it's a very, it's a very difficult process. So at least they're working on it. So given that it can be uh, require some time and energy, what do you recommend to people in terms of like, I guess my thought, you know, if I were thinking about my family is how do I know when it's worth putting in the time and effort to review everything during open enrollments and consider a switch? So the first thing is to just find out exactly what benefits you have or what benefits your parents have. And so having a clear understanding of what they, what they have. So if they have Medicare with TRICARE, that's like the gold standard, right? You don't need anything else ever again. If they have Medicare with a supplement that's provided through their employer, also you're not changing that because that's an employer-based benefit that they're not buying on the private market. So that's probably about as good as it gets. Also, if they're one of the 20% of Medicare Advantage beneficiaries who's receiving that as part of their 
employer retirement benefit, also unlikely that you're going to get a better deal than that. So you're probably just going to leave it with that, you know, just leave it as is. But if your parent is somebody who has a Medicare Advantage plan or has traditional Medicare with um, a Part D plan that they've bought on their own, it might be a good time just to ask questions. Like, how's this going? Like, how much premium are we paying? Have we received any notices from the insurance company that they're making any major changes or um, that they're no longer going to be in network with any of the major providers? Um, I know some of the hospital systems here in Georgia have been going in and out of network with some of our major insurance providers. And so if you're with one main hospital or medical system and they all of a sudden have gotten into a contract dispute with your insurance company, well, maybe this is a good time to switch to somebody else that they're not having a contract dispute with so that your so that your access to your providers can continue. Right. I mean, one of the things I think about in listening to you is it sounds like it might be worthwhile just during the year and in general to have, you know, a notebook or something, a place where, you know, every time something comes up about your insurance coverage, you know, you make a note of it so that as open enrollment comes up, you can look and be like, oh, there was that time when we, we tried to sign up for that psychotherapy, but our insurance didn't cover it or you know, we got that notice that the hospital was going to be out of network and maybe people can use that, those notes to help them determine whether there's, there've been a lot of issues with their current coverage and also to help them see like what they might want to be looking for in a replacement plan. Absolutely. I think that's, that's a really good idea just to have, have a place to start gathering up some of that information and then, you know, shopping around for what's available for the new open enrollment period. And think about think about some of the HMO plans and whether or not those are good good resources in your community. Um, so we have a we have a large number of Medicare Advantage plan beneficiaries who are enrolled in Kaiser and are receiving all their benefits through that HMO system. And a lot of them are, are love the services that they're getting. So have you know have you considered an HMO and is that would that be a good thing for you or not? Right. Yeah, because most of them do offer a lot of, you know, quote unquote, extra benefits that may not be covered or that are not really covered by fee-for-service Medicare, right? That's right. That's right. So that's a really good point. And, you know, I, I have not had a clear standing on if I think Medicare Advantage plans are better or worse than traditional Medicare. I don't know. And I think that it really depends on the person and what their needs are. Because original, I mean, Medicare Advantage plans do often have extra perks like gym membership benefits, dental benefits, vision benefits. Well, dental, you know, dental especially, I think can be really important because that comes up for a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. That dental care is not covered by Medicare. And it's pretty hard for Medicare fee-for-service to make, I don't think they make changes very often to what they cover. Oh, right. Exactly. It's a whole legislative process for them to do that. Mm -hmm. And last year, or maybe it was two years ago now, Congress loosened up some of the rules around Medicare Advantage plans and what they can and can't provide as insurance, as medical insurance providers. So I'm sure everybody's heard in the news about Medicare Advantage plans now being able to provide transportation services, in-home meals, some in-home caregiver services. Yes, and long-term care and supports. Howard Gleckman, who follows like the long-term care policy landscape, was talking about that in um, episode 96. And yeah, it sounded really exciting to me, and I'm sure to you too, because we see how older adults need, you know, original Medicare was really about like very 
narrowly defined medical services and that older adults often to live their best life and and have maximum independence need good health care but also as you were saying you know the transportation or some other kind of social services that medicare doesn't cover but now there have been some changes, legal changes made that will allow Medicare Advantage plans to, to offer that. And so it'll probably be a while before, you know, you and I ever meet somebody who's benefiting from some of these services, but it is setting the stage for how Medicare might be one of the answers to our long-term care problem, right? Yeah. And this is at least like a little bit of a closer step towards us getting more wraparound services for older adults. Right. And it's the obvious path to modernizing Medicare is that it's going to start, I guess, on the Advantage side rather than the fee-for-service side. Yeah. And so this year, 34% of all Medicare beneficiaries are enrolled in Medicare Advantage plans. And we project that by 2029, about 47% of all Medicare beneficiaries will be enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan. So we're moving towards more and more people enrolling in these Medicare Advantage plans, primarily because the premiums are cheaper than having a Medigap plan that they have those extra perks and benefits and they also have out of pocket out of pocket maxes right so a medicare advantage plan will say once you've spent x amount of dollars we ne- we then pick up your health care at 100% whereas traditional medicare you could just keep paying and paying and paying and paying and paying and there's no out of pocket max right, right so a lot of people are enticed to going into these medicare advantage plans but we know that the network of providers could be more limited or that the hoops that your providers have to jump through in order to give you the care that they say that they're going to give you, or the benefits that they say you're entitled to, that the providers have to jump through a lot of hoops in order to be able to provide that care. And then if, somebody's, if somebody is needing a lot of like nursing home care, a lot of home health And even how Medicare Advantage plan coordinates with hospices can be, I think like once somebody's further along on the continuum, Medicare Advantage plans may not be the best for them. So the the younger and healthier you are, it feels like Medicare Advantage plans are a good good cost savings. But especially um, in our area, there's not a lot. Well, we know that all the nursing homes accept original Medicare. And only some of the nursing homes accept some of the Medicare Advantage plans. So if you have a Medicare Advantage plan, you may or may not have access to the top pick of your skilled nursing facilities that you would want. Um, you might have to go with somebody else who's in network, which may not be your top pick of, of a nursing home. Right. And there, since we're talking about Medicare, we're really talking about it for a skilled nursing for rehabilitation, That's right. not for long-term care. Right. Not for long-term, staying there long-term. Right, right. That's right. Uh So especially with open enrollment about to start soon, you know, I feel like in listening to you, I feel like, well, if if I were shopping for, you know, trying to figure out what to do about my Medicare coverage or my mom's Medicare coverage, you know, how do I sit down with somebody like you or someone like you in my local area who kind of knows about the local facilities and the local plans and what's been, been coming up? And so... Are there people who can, how do people find someone to kind of walk them through or provide them with some guidance on this? So the first thing you might want to do is just start with the do-it-yourself approach, right? So start with like understanding what your benefits are, understanding who your healthcare providers are and what systems they work in and understand what medications you're on. And then go on to medicare.gov and go to their plan finder 
and just start typing in your information and seeing what pops up. And then take a, you know, just take a, a glance at the landscape and see how complicated it is. So not every, not every single area has a lot of complex options. Some have only very few providers or few insurance companies offering plans in their area. So it might not be that big of a deal. Um, but you know, so, so log on to the plan finder through Medicare, type in your information, just take a look at what's being offered and what pops out first. The next step is to know that every single state is required to have a SHIP. So the SHIP is the state health insurance program. And the SHIP is there to help Medicare beneficiaries of each state understand the plans that are offered in their area and help them navigate through what might be a best choice for them. Each state and each region's SHIP program is a little bit different in how, how robust and how um, effective their counseling is. And how um, helpful they are. And how helpful they are. And so, you know, you can reach out to your local SHIP and see if it's, if, if you can get the answers that you need from them. And then if you can't get it there, if, then you're going to look at community providers. So one thing that's really interesting in the Atlanta area is that one of our major health healthcare systems is Piedmont um, Health Systems. And within the Piedmont system, their hospitals have the 60 plus program. And the 60 plus program has a SHIP trained Medicare specialist on site. And this woman is just phenomenal. I mean, her knowledge base and her ability to help you navigate through what all your options are is just outstanding, you know, and she gains nothing from it. She just, she gets paid a salary from the, from the health system. She's there to help navigate through. She's not being paid a commission. So she's just giving you advice on what she sees as, as what your options could be and what, which, what direction she thinks would probably work best for you. So, you know, kind of looking around in your community, do I have access to somebody like that? So you could try calling your AAAs or your county's aging services to see if they know of any resources to help you shop and navigate through the Medicare options. And AAA is Area Agency on Aging, just to remind everyone. And if you Google um, state health insurance program or SHIP, then you can also find the national website that will help direct you to your state's providers. Um, and they should all be, all of their contact information should be right there. And then of course, we also have insurance brokers and insurance agents. So the thing to remember about insurance brokers and insurance agents is that they are working usually on a commission. So they have a vested interest in which plans that you pick and that'll determine how much they're getting a kickback. And so, you know, knowing whether or not there's good insurance agents in your area that you can go to who will offer you somewhat unbiased, but good information. So I know a couple of insurance brokers in the Metro Atlanta area who I think are very smart, very savvy, very good at what they do, and they really care about each of their clients. So I feel like I can refer to them and they're going to give good guidance and good care to each of their clients, whether they're going to get a commission or not, or even if they're going to get a smaller commission than a larger commission, because they want to do what's the right thing for their clients. But not all insurance brokers are like that. And I would say be wary of any of the insurance agents or brokers who say that they dabble in Medicare. So if their real thing is to sell large group health insurance plan, but they dabble a little bit of Medicare, yeah, stay away from them. You want somebody who specializes almost exclusively in Medicare benefits because it's not really something you can just dabble in mm -hmm. as evident by this whole conversation. 
Right, right. Yeah. And then I guess, do people ever hire geriatric care managers to help them figure this out? You know what? I guess that you could. Um, I've never been hired just exclusively for that. But yeah, if you're working with a geriatric care manager, they, they likely can help you through this process. Also, if you're working with an elder law attorney or a daily money manager, those are also some resources where they might have some guidance and information to help you get pointed in the right direction. Um, and then some financial planners also are starting to offer navigating through this as part of their services. Right. What about social workers, clinical social workers in general? Um, it depends. I think it, it really depends on whether or not, I mean, I, I work with a number of my colleagues are just not interested or curious, or they also just feel flat out overwhelmed and confused by the process. Right. So they don't, you know, they don't, they also don't feel like they've got the skills to help navigate through it. Yeah. I guess it's probably asking the person. Yeah. And, and also just the liability of it. Like if I help you make this choice and I'm wrong, I mean, this could cost you a lot. This could cost you access to your healthcare providers, or it could cost you a lot in, in terms of dollars and cents. Like, I mean, these are, these are big decisions to make. Well, it's partly because it could be costly that it sounds like it could be worthwhile to, you know, invest the time into looking into it and to potentially, you know, getting a few hours of help from someone. But it sounds like you've really got to find the right kind of person. And that, that especially if you are considering paying for help sorting this out, if you've kind of looked into the free options available near you and none of them seem adequate, you want to make sure you get somebody who, who really knows it. That's right. And I just remembered there is a company called Allsup. All right. So take this recommendation with a grain of salt because I don't, I have not actually used them, but there is a company called Allsup. That's A-L-L-S-U-P. They started off um, helping families navigate through the social security disability process, but then also found once some of their clients got onto disability and then waited the two years and became eligible for Medicare, that then they had a lot of clients coming back to them saying, hey, what do we do about our Medicare benefits? What should we, like, how should we get our benefits? So they started a whole separate program from their social security disability program that is a Medicare advisor program. And I think that you just pay them up front to help you through the process. Like I said, I've never used them. I don't know anybody who has used them, but that could also be a potential source of support too. If somebody just doesn't have any local resources as you could tap into a national company like Allsup. Right, right. And then I was thinking about how some older adults travel quite a lot, right? You know, that some people like go and live in another part of the country for a few years, uh, for for a few months, excuse me, mm-hmm. uh, either to be close to family or because of the weather. Uh, I grew up in Arizona, right? So we were kind of famous for having people from northern states come during uh, the wintertime. How does that work with their Medicare coverage? And is that something to kind of think about when you're shopping? Do some plans cover you like in two states? Or what do people do about that? Since you were mentioning right. that, you know, plans are local often. So that's a really good, that is a really, really good point and a really good question. So original Medicare is accepted all throughout the country, right? If you have original Medicare, it works in Georgia the same way it works in California, works as, and is accepted in New York. And even some of the Medigap policies that you might have with your Medicare also offer international coverage. It's not great. It's not a lot of it, but there is also an international component that you could tap into. Medicare Advantage plans work with a very um, narrow provider network. And so outside of, outside of an emergency, 
anybody that you use outside of your coverage area is going to be considered an out-of-network provider. And the insurance may or may not cover it depending on what your out-of-network benefits are. So a lot of out-of-network benefits cover your costs at 50%. So if you're in Georgia, if you live in Georgia, but you know, you vacation, I'm trying to think where we go. I don't know if we go anywhere. We go to Florida. Okay. So Georgians go to Florida. Um, and so say you're in Florida and you know something comes up and you go see a healthcare provider there, you're you might be stuck with the full 50% of the benefits. I mean, I'm sorry, of the cost for seeing the healthcare provider down in Florida. Yeah. Or if you live in Pennsylvania, but you go to Florida for a few months every year. And that leaves you like really in a very vulnerable position. And at that point, having original Medicare is probably what makes the most sense for you. Mm -hmm. It it is uh, transportable with you. Right, right. And then um, really briefly, I mean, we could do a whole episode on this, but, you know, Part D medications. So are people in your experience more likely to change their Part D plans than the rest of it? I think that the Part D plan is the most accessible and most easy to change, the easiest to change benefit that we've got. Most people just still set it and forget it and don't go back and look at it. Um, But it's important to know that the Part D plans do change their drug formularies. They do change like how they offer the, how they do their tiering with their medications and um, whether or not they require step therapy in order for you to access the full benefits. And so if you have, if you're on a Part D plan that's working for you and you don't have any medication changes and your premium's pretty low and your out-of-pocket cost is pretty low, then it might not be that big of a deal for you to look at. Just pay attention to whether or not your Part D plan has sent you information about making any major changes. Um, But if you're noticing that you're spending more and more at the pharmacy or that what used to be covered almost entirely now is costing you more every time you go, there's a chance your insurance company might have changed their drug formulary, which means they're not covering your medications the same way now that they used to. So would it be better for you to move into a different prescription drug plan or different Part D plan to save you some money? So a lot of people don't ask that question and then they end up paying more than they really need to be paying. Right, right. And it'll be interesting with this Aetna CVS merger, it'll be interesting to see for those who use CVS but don't have an Aetna Part D plan, if they're going to see any major changes at the pharmacy. Right. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But also just the open enrollment, you know, I think I haven't usually paid much attention to it, but I'm thinking about how you know, in geriatrics on Better Health While Aging, we're, you know, huge fans of deprescribing, of regularly having your medications reviewed, you know, to make sure that you're not taking more than is necessary and really to make sure that every medication you take is likely to be benefiting you and that you're aware of whatever the risks are. And if it, you know, does have risks or downsides that the benefits that you're getting or likely to get are worth it. Mm -hmm. And so it's sort of occurring to me that, you know, maybe it's good to think about doing that in, you know, the summer or early fall. Because uh, you don't want to be picking up Part D plan just to accommodate all these medications that maybe you don't actually need, right? Right. And that if you were to sort of go through, you know, request an appointment or a series of appointment with your health provider, or there are some pharmacists who specialize in this, to identify which ones you could maybe taper off, 
you know, you'd have fewer ones and maybe that's relevant to choosing your Part D plan. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Oh, that's interesting for, for me to think about. Well, Michelle, this has been so super helpful. So I guess just to finish up and recap the, the key points that we talked about that uh, what people should know and do, it sounds like step one is look at your health insurance, uh, not just look at your health insurance cards, but make sure you understand what your coverage actually is. That's right. <laughs> right? One, whether it's Medicare, original Medicare fee-for-service versus Advantage. And then two, if you have fee-for-service, what kind of secondary or supplemental or Medigap you have, right? Mm-hmm. And if you are someone who's been helping an aging parent or taken over the care of an older relative, you know, make sure that you know or help them find this out. And then to be aware that the services that you're able to get and also the appeals process are going to depend on what type of Medicare coverage you have. And then we also talked about uh, trying to keep notes throughout the year of when insurance and coverage issues come up. Uh, I guess when they come up, that's an opportunity for you to check into like, what exactly is my coverage? Mm -hmm. But that also you can then use those notes to help you decide whether as open enrollment comes up, it's worth, you know, really reconsidering the coverage and looking into better options. And then actually for family members who are helping an older parent, um, can they do that on their parents' behalf? Like, do you have to be power of attorney? How does that work? The easiest way to access the information is through, you know, online access. If you have to call Medicare or call one of the insurance companies, I always recommend just sitting with your parent and having them give verbal consent or authorization to allow you to speak to the representative. Okay. That going about it any other way is really cumbersome and they're going to find every which way to tell you, know that they won't help you or that they have to fax over the paperwork or that you have to mail in the original. I mean, our health insurance, per, health insurance companies don't often ask us to mail in the originals, but they might give you some extra hoops. That's just going to really delay and slow down the process. Mm -hmm. So if you can be with your parent or with the older adult, have them just give verbal authorization then you can usually talk to a representative on their behalf. Okay. And then we talked about resources to help people. I mean, first of all, you can uh, contact your primary care provider or Medicare provider to help verify your what your insurance is. And then as you're thinking about plans or changes, we talked about the plan finder online. We'll post a link to it in the show notes. We talked about the SHIP, the state health insurance program. Mm-hmm. And we'll find a link for that and post it there. Every state has one. Then they're supposed to be there to help you navigate these options. So you want to check into that. You can contact your local area agency on aging to find out what other local options there might be to help you think through health uh, coverage choices, Medicare coverage choices. You can see if any of the large providers in your area have a you know, a kind of uh, counselor, like the one you were describing yeah. at the large health system in your area. And then you can consider insurance brokers, but bear in mind that they take commissions. And so you want to get like a good reference for someone who's really ethical and does great work. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, great. Well, Michelle, thank you so much. I learned so much by <laughs> talking with you. And this is, you know, honestly, an example of why I feel I do uh, my best work when I collaborate with 
uh, professionals like you who have complementary expertise. <laughs> so. Thank you for letting me come on and share my share one of my passions and yeah. people to find out and be empowered about their health insurance. Yeah, no, and thank if, you so much. And if anybody's looking for resources on how to find out more information about Medicare in general, and just to find out the things that they didn't even know that they didn't know about, um, the Medicare Rights Center has a very robust website and newsletter and webinars and all kinds of great resources for both professionals as well as consumers just about the basics of Medicare. So that's the Medicare Rights Center, and we'll we can post that in the link notes. Okay, and we'll post a link to that uh, in the show notes too. Well, Michelle, always a pleasure to have you on the show and of course to be working with you, uh, you know, within our membership community too. Well, thank you so much. Where I love how you're able to bring a lot of this expertise to our members who are helping aging parents. So we'll have to have you uh, back another time because I know there are so many more topics that are coming up for our members that our entire podcast audience can benefit from as well. That sounds great. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in this episode, you can post it on the show notes page for the episode. I'll also be posting some links to some of the resources that I mentioned in the episode. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show in iTunes. And I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.